spent the evening that night uh, talking a little bit about theology. And I uh, had a lot. This guy is sharp. And over uh, the years, I've just been impressed with his love for the Lord and his spirit. And he's going to be leading us this morning. So Steve's not excited to be doing that. Let me uh, have a word of prayer as we begin. Lord, I uh, can't help but praise you for who you are. Your love and your peace presence our lives is overwhelming. The fact that you would die, not just for mankind, but for me, is overwhelming. I thank you, Lord, for this life that you give us, a life that is to be abundant, a life that is to be free from the burdens of sin. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to understand a freshman new the gifts that you offer to us as believers. We praise you today, Lord, and we give you this hour. Amen. You know, um, wow, this is loud. What a contrast. I, uh, I don't feel qualified to stand here today and talk to you about prayer. I want you to know that I'm coming to you from a point of weakness in my life. And I find this book to be a great challenge to me. I love its simplicity, and and today we're going to talk a little bit about its simplicity. But first I want to just kind of remind you uh, that we all have something in common, and that is that we're men, and that men don't like rules very much. You know, I, as Rex is sharing, oh, this is rule number eight or nine, I'm not sure which it is. I'm thinking to myself, oh, Lord, do we need another rule? You know, maybe some of you, as you walked in, you thought, why do I have to sign in? Don't like rules, right? Men have a problem with submission to authority in their lives. In general, a lot of men do. Some don't. And you know what? Uh, prayer is an admission that we are weak and God is strong. And I think in some ways at the core of who we are, that's why prayer is hard for us. Because we want to be in control and prayer is an admission that we're not in control. This, uh, uh, let me ask you this, and maybe this will bring this point home. Uh, you, you were given assignments last week in the end of the chapter, asked you several things to do. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I, I want you to think to yourself, do you know what those assignments were? And did you do those assignments? One of those assignments was to end three conversations this week with an offer to pray. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but did you find three opportunities this week to finish a conversation with prayer? Uh, because I am a man and I don't follow rules very well, quite honestly, I'm like two-thirds of the way done with the book. And so, uh, you know, I was supposed to do those six things when I, when I read them before. And God gave me a perfect opportunity to end a conversation with prayer. And instead, you know what I did? I said, I tell you what, I'll pray for you. And I meant I'll pray for you later. 
And I walked away from the conversation. The Lord said, Duh! This is what I'm talking about. The church being the church, Christ being real in the lives, in the body of, of the people here at Grace Point. And so we have assignments. I want to just encourage you right off the bat, take them seriously. Try not to make the same mistakes that I make in my life and, and have God come up and kind of wrap you on the head and say, what are you doing, Keith? Don't you see my hand at work? I gave you the perfect conversation. This is the time. Now is the time of prayer. Last week we talked about uh, five obstacles to prayer. No purity, no peace, no passion, no persistence, and no partner. This week we were given some good instructions, some simple instructions on how to make prayer more powerful in our lives. And you know what? I love his first thing, which was get into a rut. I mean, how many times have you ever been told get into a rut? I mean, I've been asked to get out of a rut before. I've never really been told to get into a rut. I mean, I like the way this guy thinks. It makes sense to me. You know, spontaneous behavior is not necessarily something I'm great at. I don't like a lot of spontaneity. Have you ever had this conversation maybe with your wife? Let's say it never happened in my household, but maybe with your wife. A conversation says, hey, where do you want to go out to eat? And you, you suggest the first place. Oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm not really, you know, this really doesn't strike me as what I, you know, what, what else do you have? You know, well, hey, what do we go here? Well, you know, I, you know, I really didn't like the food we had there last time. You know, what else do you want to do? And I just want to say, look, if you have some place you want to go, then tell me where you want to go. So sometimes what happens is this. I will say, you know what, I'd really like to go eat at Carlos O'Kelly's. And she'll find that an acceptable place. And we sit down and we eat there, and as we're ordering, she doesn't say it anymore because we've been married long enough that, you know, she knows it doesn't do any good, but she gives me that look. And you know what that look is? We went to Carlos O'Kelly's and you're ordering ordering the O'Kelly burger? Why are you ordering a hamburger at a Mexican restaurant? And you know why I order a hamburger at a Mexican restaurant? Because I find it nourishment, I find nourishment and I find it satisfying, I find it comforting. I like a hamburger, a greasy old hamburger with cheese on top and lettuce and tomato. That's what we're talking about today. Find something you're comfortable with. Find a process that feeds your soul and embrace it. That's all he's saying. And he gave us, I think, six different ways that we should consider embracing a process and nourishing our soul. And the first one is uh, for us to pray on the armor of God. And he talked about the six pieces of the armor of God. And quite honestly, I couldn't say these from memory. don't know if I can right now. I think I can, but we'll try. He said, pray on the six pieces of armor of God. And he talked about putting on the belt of truth. And, you know, I haven't prayed this way before, but I think I can find this very helpful in my life. He talked about how that, uh, you know, I'd say that in the olden days they wore dresses. I don't know what you'd call it. I'd call it robes, I guess. I don't know. Skirts. That just sounds a little sissy. I'm not sure. But, you know, they'd tie out. They have this belt around them. And what they would do is when it came time for real, real uh, work to be done, They'd take their robe and they'd kind of tuck it up and cinch it up into their belt so that they could be unencumbered and they wouldn't trip. And he talked about, really, that's what we have to understand is truth keeps us from being tripped up in our walk with Jesus Christ. And maybe you say, well, man, I'm, I'm not prone to lying. Maybe I don't have a problem with not speaking the truth. You know what I find? Because I am a proud person, 
I'm not prone to lying. I'm prone to omitting every detail. You know, if there's some detail that paints Keith in a poor light, I don't, I, what, why, well, Lord, why do I need to share that detail? You know, so I need to pray truth into my life because at work I can take glory for things that I deserve no glory for. Because somebody else presented it in this light. And it makes me look pretty good. Why would I correct that, Lord? I mean, don't you want to bless me? I mean, that's the kind of person I am. I need truth in my life. I need the belt of truth put around my waist so that when the time comes and I say, hey, look, that's not really how it happened. I I don't want you to think that I I really was involved in that. You know what? The credit really needs to go to this person. You know what? When I do that, you know where the credit goes? Jesus Christ. But I'm not prone to do that. I need the belt of truth fastened around me so that I can put things in order in my life. And he talks about how to pray on the belt of truth. And he talks about the breastplate breastplate of righteousness. And, you know, the, uh, the breastplate is really intended to cover all your vital organs. And he talks about how that really what we need is something over us, righteousness, to be cloaked in righteousness so that we can protect our heart. And he talked about how that righteousness is really taking on the characteristics of Jesus Christ in our life. And really what I interpreted it being is, you know what, I can act like I know about God, but I really need to take on the character of Jesus Christ and and have a heart knowledge of him and protect myself and, and really live like Jesus. And I need to pray on the character of Jesus Christ in my life because if I'm just left to Keith, Keith, Keith goes his own way and he does things that aren't really honoring to Jesus Christ. And I need to become more like Christ. And I need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. And then he talked about the uh, shield of faith. Am I doing it in the right order? Some of you probably know this easily. I missed the shoes. That's okay. We'll get to the shoes. The shield of faith. And he talked about how that the shield isn't some little itty-bitty thing, not like a, you know, my boys have this little one they love to play with, and it just barely covers their arm, and they think they're really big stuff, and they have this little shield that they go around, and they, to mom's chagrin, they hit each other with their little swords, and somebody cries. But really, the shield of faith was a head-to-toe piece of equipment that was covered in leather that had been soaked in water, so that when the when the arrows came, you just stood behind the shield of faith and you let the arrows hit that. And because it was soaked in water, the flaming arrows would just go out. And, and we need to put on our shield of faith and understand that we are protected. It's not about me. It's not about Keith and his power. It's about Jesus Christ and his sovereignty in my life. And I can stand in my place in Jesus Christ, in the shadow of the Almighty, and I can be protected from Satan. And I need a faith that says everything's going to be okay. And I need to pray on that shield of faith. Talk about the, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of truth. Now, that's a long phrase. But uh, talking about cleats, really, and how that we need to learn to stand our ground. Have you ever had the opportunity to share Jesus Christ and kind of wilted away at it? The chance to, to make your faith real to somebody else and just kind of said, well, you know what, today I'm in retreat mode. You need to have on your cleats. Not only so that you can stand firm if someone's pushing against your faith and you can defend your faith, but that you can advance your faith when the opportunity comes that you can go forward and say, hey, look, here's truth. Here's why I, here's why I, I act the way that I act. And here's, here's why I said what I said. And, 
here's why I do these things. Because Jesus Christ made a difference in my life. And, and I come and I know that the gospel is about advancing the cause of God. And I go forward with it. And I pray on this, the, the feet, the shoes fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. And then uh, he talks about putting on the helmet of salvation. And to me, that's something I need because I go throughout my day and I spend all my time honestly consumed with a bunch of tasks. I love tasks, especially if they can be done quickly. I don't like multitasking. Multitasking, ooh, that's evil. You know what? I, I like one thing, boom, boom, boom. I've got a little chalkboard thingy, you know, dry erase marker board on, on my wall. Like, I have to take down that picture. I need a dry erase chalk, uh, board up there, please. Put it up there. i got this little list up there. Boom. One, two, three, four, five. I check them off. Boom, 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 boom. I love to, to do things. But my little list is all about the world and what they value. And I need to have an eternal perspective put on. You know what? This is, this is temporary. My paycheck uh, isn't going to mean anything in regards to eternity. The beauty of my house doesn't mean anything. You know what means everything? Is that annoying person that I work with that seems like they have an attitude in everything that they do and I can't seem to get along with them at all. But you know what? They have a soul. And they're going to live or die in eternity. They're going to go to hell or heaven. And what if I change my mindset and I quit saying, hey, I'm sorry, you can get out of my office. i got number three to do today and I haven't got it done yet. I really want to accomplish something today. What if I put on that helmet of salvation that said this is an eternal thing we're dealing with today? The helmet of salvation. And the last thing that he talked about was the sword of the Spirit, which is the offensive weapon. And he talked about how Jesus, when he was out and tempted uh, in the wilderness, that he responded every time from... Uh, the book of Deuteronomy, that he used the word to go on the offensive. Because Satan tries to twist things around in our lives, and he wants to come as the accuser, and he wants to tempt us to look at things the way that we shouldn't. And we need to know the word so that we can set things straight, and we can send him fleeing from us. And so it talk, he talked about praying on the sword of the word. And I'd never really done that before, so this week one of my challenges is to make sure that I pray on those six items. Some of the other things I found pretty easy to do because I, I kind of already do them some, to some degree. The next thing he said, uh, so he said, get into a rut, pray on the armor, and then he said, uh, pray the attributes of God. Oh, that's easy. I mean, you, you can list, how many of you could probably, you know, be faithful, loving, just, righteous, holy, right? I mean, you guys probably all do that. It kind of you know, the thing I didn't like is I felt convicted. Simple book, convicting me. I don't like that. And the reason I felt convicted is because the, the answer is it's, it's not about praying a grocery list. How many times have I gone to prayer and I said, God, you are this, 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 and God's yawning. And God's saying, do you really believe I'm any of those things? And the thing that challenged me was I felt like God was saying to me, Keith, if you believe that I'm holy, then tell me why you think I'm holy. He gave us the Word full of examples of His faithfulness through all generations. And He's saying, do you really know that I'm faithful? Tell me how you know I'm faithful. 
So the challenge to me was to take one attribute of God and pray the Word back to Him. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying I have to have the Scripture memorized. You know what? As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the attributes of faithfulness and thinking, uh, I was kind of challenged. I thought, well, you know, I'm going to talk to you guys about that. If I wanted to pray faithfulness, could I pray faithfulness? You know, I found that uh, I got several of the people in the stories wrong as I was praying back to God. You know what? He didn't mind. He didn't care one bit. I had Isaiah uh, meeting with the widow in the, the oil jar that didn't go dry, you know. I said, wait a minute, Lord, that doesn't seem right. So I had to go look it up. It was Elijah. But that's what I'm talking about is, what if you said, Lord God Almighty, I praise you because you're faithful. You know, he gave us that list at the back of the book. It's on, what, pages 247 to 251. What if you took one of those attributes and said, I'm going to pray today about how faithful you are, God, or whatever it is. And so I, I started to think about, you know, Lord, just how faithful you are. The, the way that you led the Israelites, that you gave them a pillar, a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, and they cried out to you because they were hungry. And God, you were faithful, and you gave them manna to eat, and they said they're sick of manna, and you, you had the birds come in, and they ate pheasant. Lord, I, I thought of Elijah and how he went to the widow's house, and there was nothing to eat. And Well, actually, I thought about before that, before he went to the widow's house, he had, birds came and fed him. He went down by the stream, and Lord, you were faithful, and you had the birds bring in bread, and you had the birds bring in meat, and, and you gave him a stream, and you sustained him there, and... That's what I'm talking about. What if if I I took it as a challenge to prove that I knew God? And the truth is, some of the things I've been praying, I don't know. So take an attribute of God. Pray the Word back to the Lord and say, this is how I know you're faithful because you set these examples before me. And if you don't know one of them, learn one of them. Because it's all right here. And pray it back to the Lord. That's what was challenging to me. So put, put on the armor. Get into a rut. Put on the armor. Pray the attributes. And pray for the fruit of the Spirit. And so we went through the fruit of the Spirit uh, this week. The, the author went through that and talked to us about how, how to pray on the fruit of the Spirit. He said, uh, you know, don't feel like you have to pray every day the whole list of the fruit of the Spirit. But choose one that, or two that seems particularly lacking in your life and pray that. So do you have love? Do you have joy? Do you have peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? If one of those things is lacking, first of all, why don't you take inventory with the Holy Spirit? Why don't I take inventory with the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, this is your list. You said that if I'm in, in the Spirit, this is how I should be. So Holy Spirit, come now. Show me what I'm not. Because I'm generous to me. I am picky towards you. But I am generous towards me. I need the honesty of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict you in regards to righteousness. That's his job. Point out where I'm, where I'm not like Jesus. Show me my unrighteousness. And, and here it is, the fruit of the Spirit. 
Somewhere I'm lacking, Lord. Show me where I'm lacking. And then just focus on praying what you're lacking and let the Holy Spirit bathe you. Pray the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The next one he said is pray body parts. Boy, that sounds elementary, doesn't it? You know, the amazing part is I do some things with my children that I don't do for myself. It seems kind of stupid, actually. The things that I know for my children that I don't know for myself. I pray this almost every day for them. I pray it in the form of a blessing. I don't know why I'm big into blessing. I believe that God has given me authority over my children, and I pray the characters of God into them. But I pray it often in this way. I say, Lord, today Charlie's going to school, and when he goes to school, his eyes are going to see kids do things that are in no way pleasing to you. When he turns on the TV, I can't be there every second of the day, Lord. And, And honestly, he's watching a nice cartoon, but... In the middle of a cartoon is a commercial that, Lord, has nothing to do with what I want him to learn. Would you protect his eyes? Would you put a filter on his eyes, Lord? Lord, as he goes, even as a nine-year-old, he knows that there's something attractive about women who are not dressed appropriately. I see it in him even as a nine-year-old. Would you guard his eyes? Would you help him to understand that he needs to be careful what he sees and what he embraces? I pray that he would have feet that run to the church. I pray that he'd have hands that are helpful and kind. I pray that he'd have a spirit of obedience. That he would have a mind that understands what is truth and embraces it, that he would have wisdom. I pray a lot of, a lot of what I just said, those are body part prayers. Give him ears, Lord, to hear you, to understand your voice when you're at work, and to receive your word. I never prayed that for me. How, how ridiculous is that? Why is it that I saw how important it was for my children to be blessed in that way and didn't pray that over me? Simple prayers. So this week, here's what I prayed. I said, Lord, with my eyes, I drink in all the values that the world has to offer through TV and commercials And through how people are dressed, I am being influenced every day by a standard that is not your standard. God, help me to guard my eyes and to keep them only for holy things. You know what? I I hate that I have to pray this prayer, but I say, Lord, there are women who don't know how to dress. Some in your church. God, would you help me to look away quickly? To guard my glance only for that of my wife? Help me to starve my eyes that I could have affection only for my bride? Keith, what are you, a pervert? I'm a man! You know, one of the things that amazes me the most, I've been in several accountability relationships uh, one of my friends back in Des Moines, by the way, he wouldn't mind me sharing this even if he were here. I wouldn't share it otherwise. Saint of a person. 
you'd say this person can't possibly have a problem with guarding his eyes. That's the thing that amazes me. Old men of faith still praying, keep my eyes guarded. It doesn't go away. You think you're going to grow out of it? Guarding your eyes is a battle that you need to win and you need to take authority on. Praying the prayer of guarding your eyes is just as important today as it was when you were 16. So I'm praying it. And I'm taking it a step further. You know what I'm doing? I'm praying that the veil would be removed and that people that I believe are godly women who are dressing inappropriately, I am clothing them with modesty. I'm saying, Lord, would you unveil their eyes and put modesty in their lives? I, do I have authority to pray that? I, I guess I do. But maybe you're, you have that in your life, that you have people you respect that don't dress appropriately. I'd, I'd suggest that maybe you not only pray for your own eyes, but you pray modesty over them. That the veil would be removed and they would understand they're embracing the values of the world. And that they need to bring purity into their lives. I'll pray for that, but you know what? The number one priority is me to have purity in my life. So guard your eyes. Pray the body parts. I don't know what it is, what the body parts are that you need to pray over, but pray over the body parts. The next thing he says is, you know, a few friends. Another way you can pray is, I told you I'm selfish. You know, I, I need to gain perspective sometimes, and perspective is often brought in my life when I turn my prayers, instead of inward, I turn them outward. And when I look at my friends and I say, share with me your needs, and let me pray for your battles, and I can gain strength by praying for friends. And that was the, the, the next thing that he suggested that you do. Find some friends that need prayers. And he suggested that we do it on several different levels. He's a close friend, leadership in the church, leadership on the national level, all levels. But don't be the kind of person, are you an all-in kind of person? That was one of the things he said. This week, I don't know if you saw the theme in there, it was guard yourself. Don't be an all-in kind of person because you know what? You're going to heap guilt on yourself. When you're praying on the armor of God, it's okay if you only pray on one piece today. When you pray the fruits of the Spirit, don't pray it like you, oh, I better get all of them in there today, Lord, or I know you're going to be mad at me. Pray on a fruit of the Spirit if you need to. Make a list of friends. I don't know, maybe you'll have a list of 20 friends that you feel like you need to pray for. Maybe 100. He said he had like 100 on his list. There's no way you can pray 100 people in one day. Be systematic about it. Don't heap guilt on your own life un unnecessarily. i got enough guilt. I don't need to put guilt on myself. i got enough things I'm working on that are legitimate things to work on, let alone put some sort of false sense of guilt onto myself. So make your list for your friends. And then just systematically go through it. Pray for one the first day and then go on to number two. And maybe you can pray for friend number two and number three that day. And maybe day number three you don't get to pray for anybody. It's okay. Just give yourself permission to pray through your list. Don't feel guilty about it. It's okay. The last thing he said is gain a world perspective, a worldwide perspective. You know what? We, we forget that we're part of a church that's bigger than us. There's Grace Point, and there's everybody else who's doing it wrong. 
You know what I mean? I mean we don't say it that way, but sometimes we, we, we kind of almost approach the world in that manner. There's our church, and then there's all these other churches out there. I mean, they got problems. Well, you know what? There, is, there are all these other churches out there. And there's some places where you can't even have church. And today in the world, there are people being killed for the name of Jesus Christ. And what if that broke your heart like it broke the heart of God, like it breaks the heart of God? The scripture he shared was out of Hebrews. And uh, he said in Hebrews 13, 3, Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners. And those who are mistreated as if you were suffering. I need to gain a different perspective in my life that understands that I have it good. There's value in seeing what other people are going through because sometimes what, what happens is I think my life is horrible because I, I just become so self-centered. And I think things are rough for me. And I'm not denying that things might not be rough for some people in this room, more rough than they are for me. Maybe you're looking for a job right now. Maybe things seem like they're wrong and not, things aren't going your way and where's God in all of this? But you know what? If, if you gain a little perspective and say there are people right now being killed for their faith, there are places where you have to hide in secret to speak the name of Jesus Christ, you know, maybe my life is a little better than I thought it was. And, and more than just gaining perspective, what if the church rose up and prayed? And the world changed. You know, maybe God is waiting for you and I to gain a world perspective, to gain a kingdom mindset. You know, that's part of putting on the helmet of salvation, is changing the way you think. Remember we talked about that? What if that was part of what God is calling you to do? Think globally about His kingdom. And that your prayers are piling up with the prayers of saints from everywhere in a way that affects the world. And you have a responsibility, and I have a responsibility. Last thing, and then we're going to go to prayer. He said, uh, what about praying the thank you prayers? You know, I find this the easiest thing to do. I don't know if you're this way or not, but my kids definitely find it the easiest thing to do. As a matter of fact, my kids, I, I could pray Charlie's prayer for you. I mean, Charlie... He's, he prays a simple prayer. I don't want him in any way to think I make, that I'd be making fun of him. But he prays almost the same prayer every night. He likes routine. He likes a rut. He says, Dear Lord, thank you for Mom. Thank you for Dad. Thank you for Andy. And thank you for Jack. Thank you for Grandma. Thank you for my church. Thank you for my friends. Help people in the hospital to get better. Help Grandma as she builds her house. Help there to be more water in Georgia. Did you know that the levee is unusually low in Georgia? Almost uh, Atlanta was trying to figure out if they had water. And my sister, who lives in Georgia, told my son about that a year and a half ago. And every night for a year and a half, he has been praying for more water in Georgia. You know what? It still is unbelievably low. 
I check. Someday I'm going to tell him, your prayer was, was powerful and effective. What if I prayed with as much consistency as my son did? A year and a half of praying for more water in Georgia. He asked me from time to time, do I, need, do I still need to pray for water in Georgia, Dad? What if I was that faithful? You know, we talked about martyrs. I can't do anything about that. I mean, what, I'll be praying that prayer the rest of my life. Yeah, you'll be praying that prayer the rest of your life, perhaps. But what if I took a lesson from a nine-year-old? I can't even pray about one thing for, for two months, let alone a year and a half. The lessons you learn from children. Jesus, help me to be more like you. That's the next thing he prays. Help me not to have any bad dreams. Amen. The prayer of a nine-year-old. Full of thanksgiving. Full of faithfulness. He believes God changes things. There's a lot that can be learned from the prayer of a nine-year-old. Those were the things that we were asked this week to consider. Get into a rut. Pray on the armor. Pray on the fruits of the Spirit. Pray your body parts. Pray for friends. Pray for those who are persecuted. Get a global mindset. And I think I'm forgetting one. Did I forget one? The attributes of God. Pray the attributes of God. Thank you, prayers. Pray the attributes of God. We're going to go to prayer. In just a minute, I want to ask you guys, I've been up here blabbering, you know, that's the, the beauty is I can just go on and on. I feel like somehow, you know, I must be pastoral, I've gone on for 32 minutes now. What did the Lord say to you? What did you learn this week? What did you relearn this week? Anything? Anyone like to share? Yeah, do you remember that, how that he said, look, the way it was in the exercise at the back of the chapter, which, you know, I'm sure you'll get to this week. 
if you haven't already. He said, pray, pray on, uh, pray a body part. And he said, uh, pray how it is used for sin. Confess how it's used for sin. And then pray how it can be used for God. And Phil's saying, you know, I've, I've prayed the Lord help me to guard against how it can be used for sin, but he hasn't, he had the new thought of praying, Lord, enable me to use it for your good. How do I use my hands? This is how I can use them in a sinful manner. Lord, this is how they can be consecrated for you. And praying them on in a positive way. What else? The fruits of the Spirit. Pat. I'm going to ask us to get into groups of two, possibly three, two or three. I want you to do me a favor, as ridiculous as it may seem. I want you, when you go there, to say, hey, good morning. Don't say my name is Keith, but you tell them their name, your name. Don't assume that we all know each other. You know what? I, I, there's a lot of people in this room. I should know your name. I don't necessarily know your name. So let's just avoid the embarrassment of, I don't know your name. So let's just all go there, and even if you know all three people very well, just say, hey, I'm Phil, uh, whatever your name is, etc. 
and let's introduce ourselves. Two or three. And what I want you to do is start off with a thank you prayer. Let's start off with some, with some time in praising God, and then I'll come back and guide us into kind of some other aspects of prayer as well.
I'd like you to just take a minute and turn your thoughts towards the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I encourage you to think about one of those attributes that you'd like God to pour into your life and just cry out to Him and ask Him to, to help you to take on one of those attributes of the fruit of the Spirit.
How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collars of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling out on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life. Evermore. Uh, one of the things uh, I have been praying for, and I want us to take just a few minutes to pray for it, 724, if some of you have to go, be mindful of your time, please, is as Pastor and Carla are out with their family, that this scripture would be true in their lives. It is a fellowship of believers that they're going to right now. And what I have been praying for them is that as they are at that funeral, that they would just come back and say, you know what, there was a sweet anointing. That scripture is uh, an imagery of abundance. God didn't, when, when Aaron was anointed in the Old Testament in Exodus, when he was anointed, it wasn't just a little pour of oil, just like a little, you know, we, nowadays we don't want to get you too dirty when we put oil on there. We just put a little dab on your forehead. Do you understand the imagery? It was a jar poured out. It was covering his head. It was down over his long beard. It saturated. The anointing was full. It flowed down onto his robe. The anointing of the Lord is extra special. It is overabundant. It's more than you need. And that's what I want to pray for Pastor and Carla. I want us just to take a few minutes that as they're there and they are at the funeral that they would understand the words of Jesus Christ when he said, Blessed are those who mourn. Happy are they. An eternal perspective. To be gone, to be away in the body, is to be with our Lord. So I want us just to, right now where we're at, in your groups, let's just pray for Pastor and Carla and their family, that when they return, they would say, You know what's weird? It was such a refreshing time. Oh, the Spirit of God was sweet in that place. I want people, as they step into the parking lot for the funeral, to say, something's different here. God's here. And I want us just to pray in faith that the Spirit of Christ would be overabundant in where they're at and that they would return with a sense of refreshing as they come back to us. We have just a few minutes left. Let's pray together over that. I'll let you pray where you're at.
I want to be faithful to the commitment that we made, and that is to finish on time, because I know that you guys do have work schedules. Um, and as we finish, I want you to receive something. I want you to receive the blessing. This is uh, the blessing from the Apostle Paul spoken over you from the book of Hebrews. So now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will and work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Go in his power.